Good morning. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. If you're not familiar with my show, you can visit my show blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Standing by to join me on the second half of the show is Garen Staglin. He is chairman and founder of One Mind, leading a global impact on mental health. Good morning, Garen. Hi, Janine. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here. You have such an interesting uh, background. Uh, I know that you have this incredible vineyard, Staglin Family Vineyard. And But before we jump into that, um, I want to have you take us back. You graduated from UCLA uh, with a degree in electrical and nuclear engineering. And then you went to Stanford Business School. How did the wine industry become something you were so passionate about? Well, Dean, my uh, my last name used to be Stagliano, mm-hmm. uh, which is indicative of where this wine passion came from. My father, Pasquale Stagliano, came from Calabria, the southernmost province in Italy, in 1916. And um, he, uh, during the Depression, he was in New York, and it was hard to get a job, so he changed his name from Pasquale Stagliano to Raymond Staglin. But as you might imagine, he never lost his passion for food and wine. Sure. Uh, fast forward to when I was growing up in our household, wine was on the table. I think uh, my first memory of a wine in a jelly jar with a little club soda was <laughs> when I was like four or five, I think. Wow. So I really started thinking of wine as a beverage and part of the table. I started learning more about it and studying about it, and uh, when I was... Uh, fortunate you mentioned about going to business school before mm-hmm. my wife and I were married she would fly up and we would visit Napa Valley in the early 60s and it was at that point we said wow this is one of the great places in the planet sure we got to figure out how to get here and not be too old to enjoy it but all we had was student loans and a lot of ambition and then and I was a lieutenant in the Navy and ended up having to go to the Vietnam War so we had to put that part of the dream on hold, but we never okay. forgot that. So be careful what you ask for, because you might get it. That's true. And then you ended up in D.C. and then New York City, and that's where it all started cultivating? Well, uh, D.C. was uh, allowed us to further that dream, because back in the late 60s and early 70s, when I was in D.C. working for McNamara and the WizKid group, uh, you could buy first growth Bordeaux for well, about ten dollars. Today okay. they're a thousand dollars. So the best way to learn about wine is to actually enjoy it. And so I started uh, being able to l- learn more about what made great wine versus regular wine. Studied the books when I was in New York. Uh, also continued to pursue that. One of my business school classmates worked for Seagram's and was a master sommelier, so we'd go do more sampling, etc. And then uh, in 75, we moved back to Northern California and started uh, journeying back up to Napa, meeting the vintners there, and continuing to cultivate this dream that eventually someday we would be able to purchase a vineyard and make our own wine. What a dream. Um, Poof. I didn't ask you, but how did you meet your wife? In school? Blind date. Uh, 1964. So it was uh, one of those things I was studying with another uh, classmate and uh, her roommate in where she was living. She didn't have a date for uh, an event, 
and uh, I, uh, she asked her roommate to get her a date, and her roommate was the guy I was studying with, and so I called her up and said, I've been appointed by a committee of five to be your escort <laughs> for the evening. She thought, it was kind of dumb, but she thought it was cute, and it's so cute. the rest is history. That is so cute. And how many years have you been married? Well, officially it's um, 54, but my wife Sherry says she gets seven years for every COVID year because I've been, we've been together so much. So oh, wow. <laughs> I would say she's going to tell you it's more like 61 or 8, but right. anyway, 54 for sure. Amazing. What a, what a beautiful vision to have as a young couple that you want to have a vineyard. You know, it was a, it's a question of lifestyle, and, we, you know, we'd seen the example of many of our parents' mm-hmm. friends where they said where they were going to go to this place and retire, and they never got there. One of them got oh. sick, something happened. Right. So why wait to defer um, what you really want to do? Just find a way to do it earlier in your life. Yes. And we, uh, we were fortunate that when we moved back, I was in the venture business, and um I started running uh, companies, and we sold the first company in 83, so we finally had the capacity to start looking. And Sherry quit her job and started looking, and in 80, at the end of 85, we found this amazing vineyard. We are able to purchase it at the end of 85. So Incredible. The, 37 years later, the, you know, here we are. Here you are, Staglin Family Vineyard. Where is it located? We are um, on the west side of Napa Valley, just mm-hmm. above where the Robert Mondavi Winery and Opus One are. If yes. they, any of your um, guests on the show um, know where that is, I so do. Yeah. we're at the end of Bella Oaks Lane. Okay. Uh, it's a beautiful setting. Very um, great history. Was the vineyard was first planted in 1864. Mm. It's one of, if not the oldest, vineyard in Napa, and Prior to that, we now know that the uh, Native American Indian tribe that was here, the Wapo Indians, had settled on this land uh, more than 2,000 years ago. So it's been a very hospitable place for uh, everything, Mm -hmm. people, and uh, and particularly for growing grapes because we get the the first shade of the day because we're underneath the tallest mountain in the Maya Thomas range. Okay. The soils are perfect, and uh, it's just a beautiful place to be. Was it hard to learn how to run a vineyard? I mean, it probably was years in the making, but is it, is it I mean, you have your whole family as part of this. Is it well, a big my, my, you know, my wife come, is from South Dakota, so she mm-hmm. was always came from a farming background. Okay. And because of the work that I ha- was doing prior to... Um, running this company and selling it, I got involved in uh, investment banking um, and and uh, was able to learn a lot about the financials associated with the wine industry. And then this company that I sold allowed me to be a member of YPO, and many of the, my fellow YPO members, that's the Young President's Organization, were yes. already in the wine industry. Oh, that's great. People like uh, Bill Harlan and Michael Mandavi and Andy mm-hmm. Bextoffer. So I had colleagues, if you could put it that way, who knew a lot about the business, whose family had been in it. And then Sherry actually went to UC Davis, the number one school of enology and viticulture, okay. and learned a lot. And so we, we sort of grew our way into it, and... Um, and the, like any good business, the fundamentals are 
great wine comes from great land, so you've got to buy great land. And then the next thing you need to do is hire a great vineyard manager. Sure. Um, and so we were able to bring a great team of people together, buy a great piece of land, and build a business plan, which we've executed to success. Amazing. And you have events as well, fundraisers? We do. Our main uh, event is our music festival for Brain House, okay. uh, which we now have done for 28 years. Uh, it's an amazing day of a scientific symposium, the greatest wine tasting in America, and then a, uh, we used to call it a concert, but it's really more of a dance party because we have Fun. incredible stars like Jennifer Hudson, One Republic, Cheryl Crow, all have performed here in recent years. Incredible. And then a very uh, elegant f- five-course dinner and dancing after that. So it's Beautiful. a full day of celebration, hope, uh, inspiration, and we raise a lot of money for our charity, One Mind, as a result of that. We also do dinners, winemaker dinners around the country. Uh, January 12th, we're doing one at the Boston Harbor Hotel. Oh, nice. Um, and uh, uh, our global sales manager also does events uh, around the country where One Mind and Stagon Family Vineyard kind of come together to tell the story of the motto of our Winery is great wine for great causes, and the one that's most important to us is brain health and mental health. So that was my next question is, why is that so important to you, and what is One Mind? So my son in 1990 had a psychotic break. Uh, As you might imagine, that was devastating, would be for any parents. Sure. Uh, But we were fortunate enough to be able to get an accurate diagnosis for him, get him on a system of care, psychopharmacology. Mm-hmm. Within one semester, he went back to school, graduated on time with honors in a dual major. Oh, my gosh. It was at that point we said, wow, we're really fortunate. We have two choices here. We can run away from this problem, which unfortunately too many uh, families do, or run towards it. So we started running towards it 28 years ago. Um, and uh, one mind came into existence with the idea we could use our contacts, the relationships, and and our wine business to help raise awareness and raise funds to accelerate science and impact society. And I'm pleased to tell you that we've raised now about $550 million. Wow. Um, and we've funded 43 rising star scientists. We've identified biomarkers, and we've done many other things to impact society, um, including... Uh, a documentary with Ken Burns I and uh, some other activities I'd be pleased to share more about. I was going to say, how did you get involved with Ken Burns in the PBS uh, documentary? Well, you know, w- one of the terrible things about these illnesses that's associated with this word, it's a really ugly word called stigma, which mm-hmm. is that people are either afraid to talk about it because they think they'll be marginalized or discriminated or... If they have a friend or family member, they feel like perhaps there's some shame or blame, they haven't done enough. One of the best ways to eliminate this is to really tell the truth. And the nation's best truth-teller is Ken Burns. So Mm -hmm. after three years of working at it, we finally convinced him to do a four-hour documentary series called Hiding in Plain Sight, The Crisis of Youth at Risk. And uh, we were able to raise the money for this production, and it, you, you know, your audience can now uh, see it, screen it, 
uh, every PBS station in the country, certainly the one in L.A., but everywhere. Yeah. Uh, it's in two two-hour segments, and so you can watch it at whatever your leisure. And it's been really profound, Janine, to tell the story of 21 families and how they've coped with this uh, illness, their illnesses, and, and succeeded in most cases. Amazing. Um, so it's exciting, and I'm even more excited to tell you that, well, A, we actually previewed it in the White House. Oh, you did? So despite Ken Burns' great history, he had never been with a film in the White House. Mm. We did that on June 20th, and this success has propelled him and the producers, the Ewers brothers, to move quickly to the second film we're going to do called Hiding in Blade Sight, mm-hmm. Adult Mental Illness. So we're now going to tell the story of people we're dealing with these later life illnesses as well as uh, how these illnesses carry on and how the workplace plays an important story. That's so great. That's how that all happened. I have been very passionate about mental health as well, and I looked at the fact that we were in a mental health crisis before COVID, and then you add COVID, and it becomes a mental health pandemic. So I love what you're doing. It's the real second wave. People who yeah. never had post-traumatic stress, mm-hmm. anxiety, or depression now have it. Yes. Those who didn't, uh, and those who did, it got worse. Right. And then, you know, add climate change, political divisiveness, yes. and racial uh, unrest. Mm-hmm. And this is a perfect storm for uh, all of us to sort of understand we're all on the brain health spectrum. Yes. And we're all at a place where we need to pay attention and really take care of ourselves. Because it's okay not to be okay. Right. It's just not okay to do something about it. What's really upsetting to me is the lack of resources. There are not enough mental health professionals to meet the demand. It is a real shortage. And the more we make people aware of of the fact that they can get help, we have treatments that work, Mm -hmm. the more pressure that puts on the system. So we do need to get more trained psychiatrists into the system. There are, you know, the pandemic has made telepsychiatry popular because Mm -hmm. it was the only way you could get treatment. Uh, And so there are now national firms that have sprung up that are doing a much better job at that. Um, and making that, moving that forward. There's, there's also other things besides just straight therapy that are becoming more evident. Um, one of which is, uh, meditation. Mm-hmm. Meditation, my son Brandon uses that as part of his, uh, journey to, from tragedy to triumph where he is now. That's great. Um, so he meditates for several hours a day. That doesn't involve seeing a psychiatrist or medication. Mm-hmm. Just centering yourself. Yes. Um, and also, neuroplasticity is this wonderful phenomenon that we all have, um, which is the ability to generate new neural pathways. This conversation right now, Janine, we're both generating new neural pathways. You can take advantage of that with computer-based positive feedback loop applications that will allow you to sort of, in, in a way, rewire your brain when you have these difficulties for either cognitive issues or mood-regulating issues. Uh, One Mind, our organization, has has worked with and created an organization called One Mind CyberGuide, P-S-Y-B-E-R-G-U-I-D. There are more than a 1,000 apps out there which will allow you on your own terms, if you're persistent, to address and take advantage of this neuroplasticity 
phenomenon. So I would encourage your listeners to go to OneMind.org, find the drop-down menu, and then it will help you find the right app for the illness or the condition you think you're dealing with. And if you're persistent, you'll see real improvement if you do it. That's great. Now, where can they find out more information about uh, Healthy Brains Global Initiative? So the Healthy Brains Global Initiative is a project that I'm also leading to understand this very important issue that in uh, as as much as we need to improve the condition you just described here in the U.S., mm-hmm. we're way better off than we are in most of the countries I of the know. world. There, in low- and middle-income countries, some people may never get a diagnosis, or they wait years before even, A, being able to see a psychiatrist. So we, with the World Bank and the World Health Organization, are are trying to create, uh, are creating outcomes funds where we're helping governments understand how important it is for them to address the mental health conditions of their population, because in pure economic terms, it's about 4% of the gross domestic product of these countries is what it costs to not address these issues. So using treatments that are available today, we're going to begin delivering outcomes-based, which means we're going to pay for outcomes, making people better in countries in Africa, uh, Latin America, um, India, and and we're even contemplating doing a project in California because okay. if, if you look at the homeless populations in L.A., San Francisco, and many Huge. wonderfully affluent cities, we're not doing a very good job. We think we can help do a better that. So hbgi.org has all of that information. Um, please go and visit that. You can learn more. Incredible. So with everything you're doing, how do you focus, you know, kind of disconnect from everything and pause and take care of your own mental health? Well, it's an important, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of others, right? right. So you have to certainly have to do that. So in this, in this Zoom world that we're in right now, and now I've actually started traveling this last week. I was at uh, the Milken Institute holds at a big conference called the Future of Health, which I was invited to and spoke at and had uh, a number of things. So, But even when I'm here at my desk, so first my day begins at 5. I work out for, I do 30 minutes of cardio and, and then 30 minutes of strength uh, training. Great. Um, each day I, I miss a few, but not very many. Mm-hmm. Um during the day, I try to give myself at least a, uh, a a lunch break where I can sort of decompress and de- disconnect. And during the day, I get up and take a 30-minute walk around this vineyard, which is quite cathartic and uh, cleansing. Amazing. Um, I have two incredible grandchildren. that They're here every day, so I try to make time to uh, spend time with them. Um being part of an Italian family, uh, our motto, we have a, actually a family mission statement, mm-hmm. which that? starts with family comes first. So That's I'm great. blessed with a, a close-knit and uh, a wonderful family, and so we get to spend time together at holidays and weekends. And uh, my daughter is just down the hill Beautiful. as president of our wine business, and my son is president of the nonprofit is there, so I'll just go and spend time and talk with them, which is quite enriching and wonderful. So yeah. paying attention is the important thing. 
taking care of yourself and eating healthy and exercising. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. That's wonderful. Do you have advice for entrepreneurs who struggle, or really anyone who who struggles to make time for themselves and focus on their self care? Yeah, I think you know we're um, the whole workaholic, um, the person who pulls the all nighter and Ugh. never gives up. That that message as a hero is old news. It's not the right news. Exactly. And celebrating a culture that overworks and uh, and abuses people and setting an example of that yourself is the wrong thing. The new model of leadership is really empathy. Um, and understanding that you'll get the people will perform their best if they're if they have both physical fitness and brain fitness. So you need to pay attention to that. You need to check in with people, and you need to take care of yourself. I happen to also have the privilege of being on the board of Silicon Valley Bank. We're the leading bank of the innovation economy. We have forty thousand companies, all of whom are in the early stage of their business life and I can tell you that the stress of an entrepreneur in the early stage of their business is massive. It's catastrophic. Yeah. So but you can't grow your company and you can't take care of your people if you don't take care of yourself. And there are many incidences of the suicidality mm-hmm. of many entrepreneurs because the pressure to create the unicorn is very intense, but you have to resist that. And you have to get a balance, because without work-life balance, you'll never be a great leader. Oh, forget it. Somebody gave me some great advice um, during the course of this year, and he said, you need to just take the whole weekend and disconnect from your computer, from everything, and not think about work. And I thought, I can't do that. But it, it was true, and it helped me solve an issue, come up with a new idea, just by, by not being on the computer, just by being more mindful. Yeah, you know, everybody needs to find their way, uh, but you you should never, as you just expressed, you, you should never feel guilty for doing that that does give you that opportunity to disconnect, get clarity. Yes. Uh, achieve that kind of uh, opportunity to uh, um, come up with a creativity that which can only come when you have that sort of retrospective time. Some people do it in the shower. People who are runners, they tell me. Yes. That's where they find that inspiration. Yes. Swimmers do that. It's kind of hard. You can't listen to the radio or, you know, you kind of just listen to your, your heartbeat. So that's where you get a lot of creative ideas. Yeah. I've uh, been doing a lot of talks for students lately about the power of purpose-driven initiatives as well as creativity for mental health. And yeah. it's been tremendous because people are still struggling. Well, I will tell you, there's uh, the. I happen to have a great privilege of being friends with Tom Insel, who was the director of the National Institute of Mental Health. Mm-hmm. He's left there now and has written a book called Healing by Tom Insel. I'd recommend that uh, any of your readers who want to learn more about this topic read that book. What he would say to you in this book is that despite the billions of dollars that he spent on that recovery or fitness, brain fitness, is really most, 10% of it is the medication that you might be taking, Mm -hmm. 10% of it is your DNA, but 70% is people, place, and purpose. If you don't have people around you that are supportive, if you're not 
don't have purpose in your life, and if you're not in a place where those things can be supported and come together, you'll never be at your best. So your advice is really good, and purpose-driven Thank you. Um, uh, activities are what make people healthy. I mean, if, if I was honest with you about what your prior question is, that how, how do I take care of myself? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm 77 years old, so I, I've been fortunate enough in my life that I don't have to work. But I'm pursuing passions, yes. so I don't have a job. I do things that make me happy, that are exciting for me, to give me pleasure, and I do them because I love them and not because I have to. So I, yeah. if you do things you love, you'll have, you'll have a much different attitude and a, and a higher level of productivity. Definitely. Garen, we can, where can people find out more about you? Well, you can go to my LinkedIn profile. Uh, you can see more about me on that. Um, the, uh, my wife and my family were just recently profiled in the November issue of the Wine Spectator. There's a seven-page article there. I'd be happy to send that to yes. you so you could post it on your site. Yes. Um, and, um, you know, uh, the staglandfamilyvineyard.com site and the, also has a lot about us and our family and our history. Fantastic. So those would be places that you could go. All right. And do you want to give the website one more time for One Mind? OneMind.org. Okay. HPGI.org and StaglandFamilyVineyard.org. Fantastic. Well, congratulations on all of the things that you're doing. They're incredible. I want to thank you so much for calling into the show. Thank you, Janine, for the opportunity, and uh, happy holidays to everyone. Thank you so much, and I'd love to have you back on in the new year. Okay. Thank you so much. Be well. Bye-bye. Bye. That was Garen Staglin calling in. He's chairman and founder of One Mind, leading a global impact on mental health. He also owns Staglin Family Vineyard, and you can read more about him on the show blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. That is a wrap for me. Standing by is Sheldon Abbott with Cure for the Blues. I'll be back next Monday. Have a great week, everyone.